it's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. So I'm sipping on my coffee, and I'm painting, and I'm listening to a podcast. And out of absolutely nowhere, I felt like the world had just had just spun on its axis. You know, when you're in college and you just down a bottle of tequila... That's what it felt like, but it's noon and I'm drinking coffee. Our guest today is Steph Driver. She's the hockey editorial manager for SB Nation, also co-host of the wildly popular Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast that talks about the Flyers. And in addition to all that, she is a stroke survivor at the age of 32. Steph, thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So we will talk about your medical odyssey as we go down the road here. But in researching you and talking to you, one of the things I find most fascinating is that you were not a sports person growing up. You, the, you came very late to the game to this, and I, I find that fascinating for someone who has a passion for something like hockey and the Flyers, that it's not something that was kind of ingrained in you in your youth. Yeah, no, I. no one in my family is inclined for, has the sports inclination. Like, nobody cares about sports. Nobody, my brother played some, but that's really about it. Uh, and then in high school... I really got into like club sports, not playing. I don't play sports. Like, let's get that really clear. I am not athletic at all, but watching them was a lot of fun. And it was something that, you know, people did go, go to the football game Friday night, go to the homecoming game. Like it's just somewhere that people went and it was fun. Um, And then all of a sudden I started liking the Philadelphia Eagles and where I grew up, that was weird. I grew up in North Jersey, so it was Jets fans, Giants fans, and then you had a couple people who were not from here that liked the Eagles, and that's where I gravitated. And from there, I was like, okay, well, I really like the Eagles, like, a lot. I would record on VHS, because that's the... <laughs> I'm dating myself, but <laughs> we've already told my age. So on VHS, every single Eagles game. So I would watch it live. And then I would watch it again. And then I would watch it again. And then I would watch it again. All between every Sunday game. Nobody understood it in my family. But they, you know, just let me do what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, the Sixers were in the playoffs. Well, this is another Philadelphia team with Allen Iverson. How can you not love Allen Iverson? So then I was like, okay, well, here's another Philly team that I like. So I may as well just go to college in Philadelphia. (laughs) That was the thought process. (laughs) So I went to Drexel, and that was five years. Um, In my fifth year, because they do the co-op thing, um, the Phillies won the World Series. And I was never a baseball person. I'm still not a baseball person. But that was really cool to be in the city when that happened. Hockey was the last sport that that I started watching. And I didn't start watching hockey until after their last cup run. Like, yes, I'd, I'd seen some of it growing up. Grew up in devil's territory, which there's like five people right. who like the devils. Um, so I saw, you know, Marty Brodeur. I got, I was part of all of their cups, kind of, but nobody really cared about sports in my family. They were never on. So when I was here and it was the guy that I was dating at the time, Really loved the Flyers and was part going to the games during that playoff series. And I was like, oh, well, this is fun. So I started watching it at home, realized during the offseason and then the eventual lockout, I really missed hearing the sound of hockey on my TV. 
And after that, I just I couldn't get enough. And I taught myself really the game from reading, funny enough, Broad Street Hockey and everything, everything that I could get my hands on. I have read everything about hockey in the past 10 years or so. And I, I just I love it. I can't I can't stop. Yeah, I mean, your passion comes through and everything you do, everything I've heard you talk, we've had you on the radio. Yeah. And there is obviously and it's not just. It's not just a for the flyers. It's for you can tell you have a love of the sport. Yeah. That if you just saw four or five kids playing, you'd probably gravitate to the game oh, just yeah. to to to, to get hang a, out. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> question about that. So, how does that translate to your life now in the media? Because you are part of a generation that is kind of the opposite of when I'm talking generations. Like I'm so old, but you know, I went to college communications, yep. did all that stuff. You were in the real world and a fan, and you've translated that and turned it into a very successful career now in media. Talk about that transition. How'd it come about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to I went to school for marketing. That's what I have my degree in. Um, after graduation, I was a recruiter for a long time. Um, my last job outside of hockey i was a consultant i i built tech startups so i have a lot of experience managing people i have a lot of experience knowing what works and what doesn't work in an organization um i i've got a lot of just like business skills um while i was doing that and now consulting is not a nine to five job consulting i was working 60 70 hours a week I was also just playing in hockey. I started with a podcast with a couple Philly beat writers. Um, and that lasted for about eight months. And then they decided they didn't want to do it anymore, which is very common in podcasts. Um, I'm not great at writing. Um, and that's not about my skill. I'm actually a good writer. I'm not great at sitting down and putting thoughts to paper. Or to screen, whatever it is. I I don't have the attention span for it. But I found that I am really good at explaining my thoughts verbally. And I'm kind of funny. I'm entertaining. People want to listen to me. So I decided that I'm just going to focus on podcasting. After that, uh, the original podcast, it was called The Scoop. Um, After that fell apart, I found a couple friends who were starting to build their own website called Sons of Penn. Um, and I told them I'll, I'll bring podcasting. I'll, I'll do the podcast for sons of pen. And we did that for about a year, year and a half, maybe two years. I don't actually know. Um, and it was around the time, like literally just creative differences. They wanted to take the site in a different direction than I did. And I was just running the podcasting and they didn't think that it was important. So I reached out to, uh, Travis Hughes, who used to run the hockey at SB Nation, also ran Broad Street Hockey, um, and said, listen, I want to join Broad Street Hockey and I'm going to bring a podcast. I already have a listener base. I already have people who know that I know what I'm talking about. You kind of have a podcast. I'll bring consistency. I'll bring quality. And that was it. I And true to Stephanie form, within three months, I was part of the leadership group. I can't not take over a place 
once I start, once I get in. Um, so I was part of the leadership group at Broad Street Hockey um, within, oh God, probably two years. Travis was looking to leave. He wanted, he was living in Washington, D.C. He wanted to move back to Philly. And at that point, I had decided this is like your job is what I want. So help me get your job. Um, he was in the process of doing his own thing. And then I had a stroke, <laughs> um, which sucked. Um, and I think we're going to talk about that a yes. little bit more in depth later. So put a pin in that for now. <laughs> Um, Travis eventually left SB Nation and I had just naturally built up a, a, a bunch of contacts that were already within Vox within SB Nation. I reached out to them, said this is this is a job that I really want to be considered for. Um, I interviewed, I think it was five different interviews with various people for the job and and I got it in September. How do you like it? I love it. I love it. So I, I don't consider myself a journalist. Um I consider myself a, a brand manager, so I manage 32 hockey brands, one for every team in the NHL, oh, 33, <laughs> oops, <laughs> one for every team in the NHL, women's hockey, and college hockey. Um, it's it's just so much fun for me, getting to play with all of the different teams, whether they're good or bad, um, different types of content, just throwing ideas out there. Last night... At midnight, literally at midnight, I was talking to one of the West Coast brands about, you know, why we're here. What type, why why are we here? Are we writing content because we want to? And what's what's fun for us to write? Or are we writing content because we think it's what the fans want to see? I'm still a fan. I'm a fan of the game. I'm the fan. I'm a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I will never hide that. <laughs> I, I think that having a fan perspective is invaluable. We know what matters to the people who are reading what we're writing. I, I think that that's really what people want to read. So you mentioned the stroke. Yes. Let's talk about that because I remember, I guess you said something on Twitter about it and I just got a pit in my stomach. And because, I mean, we'd actually, this is the first time we've actually met in person. Yeah. And, but I knew you were friends through working together and yep. and you just hear that and I knew you were much younger than I was and it, you have that second of that doesn't make sense mm -hmm. because I think we all that aren't in the medical field and haven't think of a stroke as something that happens to older people. You're 31 and it happens. So let's go back to that moment in April of 2018. What happened? Yeah. Oh, man, it was crazy. So I was um, working from home that day, um, and I slept in because that's what one does. Um, and I was working for Broad Street Hockey at the time, so I think there may have been a game that night. Um, I don't know. So I slept in. It's 11, 11.30. I put on my workout clothes, and I'm just really grumpy about having to work out because I just didn't feel like it. So I'm kind of dragging um i make myself coffee and then i'm like all right well i'm just gonna sit my coffee take my time so i sit down at my kitchen table where is it's not actually where i eat at all it's where i paint um and i it's just something that i like to do i'm not good at it i just i like to paint um 
So I'm sipping on my coffee and I'm painting and I'm listening to a podcast. And out of absolutely nowhere, it's about noon on April 10th. Out of absolutely nowhere, I felt like the world had just had just spun on its axis, uh, axis, like dizziness and vertigo like I've never experienced before. Like my house was spinning around me and I'm, I'm sitting still and my heart starts pounding and I have a headache and I'm nauseous out of absolutely nowhere. I'm sitting here drinking coffee. So I, I take a few deep breaths and I put my head down on the table. Like maybe it's just something weird that's going to pass. So I put my head down, I'm, I'm breathing deep and it doesn't help. So then I pick my head up and I sit back in my chair and I, I continue to to breathe deep, and my left arm is kind of tingling, but it's intermittent. It's not like it goes numb and stays numb. It's just kind of tingling. Um, the world is spinning. It feels like, you know, when you're in college and you just down a bottle of tequila. It, that's what it felt like, but it's noon and I'm drinking coffee. Um, then I fall out of my chair. I didn't quite pass out because I didn't lose consciousness, but I was on the ground under no decision of my own. And I was actually really lucky that I fell into my dog's bed that I leave right near Mm -hmm. the kitchen table. So now I'm on the floor and I'm dizzy and I'm nauseous and my heart is pounding. My left arm is kind of numb. So I think that I'm having a heart attack. But don't reach for my phone that's on the table because that's crazy. I'm 31. I am not having a heart attack. That's insane. So I kind of try to stabilize myself and I get a little bit better. Um, And I actually text uh, in the Broad Street Hockey Slack. I say that I'm not feeling well, Um, which is a really good thing that I did. Uh, Probably one of the only good things that I did on that day. Um, So then I decide, all right, well, I'm having a sick day. So I'm going to get to the couch and I'm going to watch Downton Abbey. (laughs) So I don't remember how I got to the couch. I don't, I don't believe that I walked, but I don't remember crawling, but I got to the couch somehow, which is not very far from the the kitchen table. And I lay down and I put on Downton Abbey and I'm, I'm maybe five minutes into the episode and the whole thing starts again where I get this super dizziness and now my eyes are moving really rapidly back and forth. Um, I didn't fall because I was already laying down on the couch, but now I'm I'm just vomiting uncontrollably, and it's it's everywhere. My poor dog was coming over to see what was wrong with me. I vomited on her on her bed. It, it was just everywhere. That's another sign, like that's a neurological symptom. But no, I'm I'm fine. I'm just having a sick day, and if I'm going to be vomiting, then I need to get to a toilet. So at this point, I crawl from my couch up the stairs into my master bath, which is like on the other side of the house from where I started. And I'm crawling and I don't realize until probably four days later that I crawled because I physically could not walk. But in the, at the time it didn't occur to me. So I get to my bathroom and my head is killing me. What do I do when my head doesn't feel good? I take a nap. So I am also shaking. I think that I'm shivering, but really it was I'm I'm tremoring. Mm-hmm. I grab a quilt that just happens to be really close in my closet and I completely wrap myself from head to toe in this quilt in my bathroom floor in the dark. And then I pass out for 8 hours. Out. Uh I wake up. The doctors don't know how I woke up. I should not have woken up. 
feel the same way. It's dark now. Um, nothing has gotten better. And I crawl to my bed, um, lay down, I fall asleep, and I fall asleep. I pass out again, probably for another hour or so. Wake up and realize it's really late at night. I cannot physically get up to feed my dog or take her out. And that's a problem. I was actually supposed to be recording a podcast with my co-host Bill Matz at 8.30 and or at 8 o'clock and now it's 8.30. So I call him and tell him that there's something seriously wrong and I need him to come and take care of the dog. And no problem. He's going to be there soon. And then I call my dad and say, I need you to come and take me to the hospital. My dad lives an hour and a half away. At no point did I call 911, which is incredibly foolish. Don't do that ever if you have these symptoms. Did it occur to you? Did you, like, at any point, did you think, like, I should do this? Or were you just so, like, you were, okay. Yeah, no, it did. (laughs) It did. Um, Like, when it first happened, like, I should call 911. And my thought was, well, my front door is locked. Well, that's okay. I can give them the garage code and they can just come in. Like, I did think about it. And I was like, no, I'm just having a sick day. It's no need to be dramatic. I'm fine. So my dad and Bill actually got to my house around the same time, which is very impressive. Good job, dad driver. <laughs> um, and they they had to carry me down the stairs. Um, and I was vomiting more. Uh, they carried me out to my dad's car. And we went to... To the emergency room um, where I had to wait for three hours before they called me back. Um, I had no typical stroke symptoms. So there was no paralysis. There was no face drooping. Um, I was able to speak coherently. Um, They did a CT when they called me back and now it's like 1 a.m. Um, and they couldn't see anything. So there was, uh, my blood pressure, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like 250 over 200. Like it, it was, it was, something was seriously wrong. So they kept trying to get that down. They were calling it malignant high blood pressure. Like this was going to kill me soon. Um, it wasn't until the next, the next, uh, shift had started that somebody said it might be a stroke we should get an mri so this is now 7 a.m um i had been in the hospital in the emergency room for a very long time um and they were pumping me full of medication to try to get my blood pressure down but nothing was working um and by the time that we figured out it was a stroke i got i was told um Around 1 p.m. the next day, it had been over 24 hours since I had had the initial episode. Um, and they transferred me immediately to the University of Pennsylvania because they I was 31. I had no risk factors. They didn't know why it happened or if it was going to happen again. They wanted me at the best hospital nearby. Uh, so I was in the hospital for about a week. Um, I have no physical deficits um the stroke was in the cerebellum which is the most rare location for a stroke uh it was due to a left vertebral artery dissection so in your spine you have two arteries that shoot up through your spine into your brain 
uh, the one on the left side collapsed, and we have no idea why. So it collapsed. There was the rush of blood. Then there was a clot. And the clot is what caused the stroke. Um, They call it a spontaneous stroke. Nobody has any idea why it happened. It could be because I rode a roller coaster two months previous. It could just be because I had high blood pressure six months prior. I don't know. My blood pressure has been normal my whole life. Um, No risk factors. No discernible causes. It just happened. Um, It was really hard when I got out of the hospital. It was really hard. How long were you in? A week. Okay. A week. Um, I started seeing physical and occupational therapy while I was there. Occupational therapy decided that I was okay to go home almost immediately. Like I could take care of myself. Physical therapy said, "Uh, we're not so sure you're going to need to do just outpatient physical therapy. I don't want to say that I had to relearn how to walk because I physically could walk. It was my balance that was off. My, I was dizzy. I, I was more dizzy than I'd ever been in my life, and it was constant. Uh, my head was killing me at all times. Um, I was shaky. I couldn't. I, I couldn't stand still without falling over. Um, the dizziness got worse when I closed my eyes. Like sometimes when you're dizzy, you close your eyes and you stabilize. It got worse. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I was capable of taking care of myself when I went home. Uh, I was really lucky that my brother flew up from Atlanta as soon as I was discharged and, and spent some time with me making sure that I was taken care of. I, when I was in the hospital, I was not allowed to sit up. I had to lay flat for the entire week and, I am not a person who sits still very mm-hmm. well. No, I was really sick, so I slept a lot of the time. But when I was awake, I was really fidgety. Um, but I was I wasn't even able I wasn't even allowed to get up and go to the bathroom. I had to use a bedpan, which once you've used a bedpan in front of a nurse, like asking your brother who's helping you to help you get changed and put on pants is nothing. <laughs> um so then I, I started physical therapy. Um, I couldn't, God, the list of things that I couldn't do after the stroke. Like I couldn't bend over. I couldn't do anything repetitive. Like I couldn't vacuum. I couldn't mow my lawn. Um, couldn't drive, obviously. Um, it, it was very limiting. So I did a lot of sitting on my couch, laying on my couch, actually. Uh, and I ate a lot of cupcakes. Physical therapy was really helpful um, in that, you know, I couldn't stand still without falling over. And after three, four months of physical therapy, I could. It was really retraining my brain. Like, we're not going to let the dizziness win. Like, you're going to get you to the point where you're dizzy and we're going to rest, but then we're going to push you again. Um, And today, it's been almost a year. Um. I'm pretty, I think that I'm as recovered as I'm going to be. So physically, again, I'm fine. You would never look at me and say that I had a stroke. You would never know. Um, The lingering problems that I deal with are a lot of mental fatigue. So I still, I can't get through a day without napping. And it's not like, oh, I'm so tired. I need to nap. It's no, your brain and body is shutting down. You need to, you're going to be out soon. So find a bed Um, or a couch or anything that's soft because you're going to fall asleep very soon. Um, a lot of anxiety, depression, a lot of things that come from brain injuries. And it's not 
it wasn't a traumatic brain injury, but still a brain injury. Um, I I have some trouble managing my emotions, and it's not in in terms of mood swings. Um, it's more like I'm I want to be laughing right now, but I'm crying, and that doesn't connect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just it's a very weird kind of reality that I'm in now. And, and um, I can't really, this is, this is something that's really interesting. I couldn't cover hockey for a long time because going into the arena and the lights are bright, the ice is bright. And I, my eyes were a problem for a long time. Um, it wasn't until I'm trying to think of the last, the last handful of games that I went to, it was, Probably December. I don't remember which game it was, but it was the first time that I'd been to a hockey game. Either December or January. First time that I had been to a hockey game and didn't feel dizzy and didn't get a headache. And that was a big deal. I, I couldn't I couldn't cover um, any of the training camps. I couldn't cover the rookie camps. I couldn't go anywhere in uh, Voorhees or anywhere near a rink because it was just, it was too much. We have to take a break here on one-on-one. When we come back, we will continue our conversation with Steph Driver, continue to talk about her recovery from her stroke. Also talk about being a woman covering hockey. I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. Welcome back to One on One as we continue our conversation now with Steph Driver. At any point, when you're telling the story... I don't, and maybe it's just because you're looking back, what was the fear factor? Or was it just something's wrong, I know something's wrong, I've got to get to the couch, I've got to get to the toilet, I've got to get somebody to take me to the hospital. What was your fear factor as this was happening? Um, That's a really good question. While it was happening, I, I don't think that I was necessarily afraid. Um, it was more, all right, well, I need to, I need to do these things. I need to do ABC. Um, it didn't hit until probably a few days later while I was in the hospital. Like I could have died right there in my house. And with the way that I was wrapped in that blanket, nobody would have found me for, for a few days because I was literally wrapped head to toe in a place where nobody would look for me, like I just look like a pile of blankets. Um, when I got out of the hospital, I was scared of everything because they didn't know why it happened. There was no, there, there was no reason for it to happen. So what's stopping it from happening again? And the really, really comforting answer was, well, nothing. Just try not to have another stroke. <laughs> awesome. Great. Thanks. Um, but at at the time i didn't i didn't think i was going to die it took it took it took a while for me to realize that this is this is something really serious that happened to me and even now i i talk about it and don't really relate to it like it happened to me i was just going to say does it do you almost feel like you're it, i don't want to say out of body but you're referring to to something else to yeah. someone else yeah 
Yeah, because I I remember all of it. I remember all of it, but it doesn't quite it doesn't quite feel like it was it was me. Like this is you need to stop worrying about the 10 pounds that you gained and now granted it was more than 10 pounds, but like you couldn't walk 11 months ago. You could barely go up your stairs and you're worried about that. That's so ridiculous. It's it's you that being said, it has changed my outlook on a lot of things. Like the reason I'm doing the job that I'm in now is because I like it. I did not like what I was doing before. Um, and it probably did not in any small part or probably did in no small part contribute to me having the stroke. Like I just didn't like what I was doing. I love what I'm doing now. And it's so much more important to like what you're doing with your life than to be chasing six figures, to be chasing the title. Um, it, it's it just it doesn't matter. Like this could happen at any point in time, and and it's also I mean it's affected me socially as well. If you didn't care that I was in the hospital for a week, didn't care to visit me, didn't care to check in, like then I don't need you in my life. Like what kind of friend are you? Um, And the friends that did come to visit are all hockey friends. How weird is that? So. I know I kind of, I'm all over the place. No, you're not at all over the place. You've done a magnificent job of of answering my next question before I've answered it. You've done that like three times during this conversation. So when was the point when, because I can only, I, I still talking to you for, 28 minutes here. I still am having problems getting my head around what that must have been like. But when was the moment that you started to think, I'm going to be okay? Was it, were you in the hospital, out of the hospital? Um, When I was in the hospital. And it was, um... I'm trying to think if it was when I was in the emergency room and they were taking me seriously as opposed to. You were just the next number on the chart. Right. As as opposed to like when they saw my symptoms, be like, yeah, there's something wrong here. Um, but I don't think I was probably when I got to Penn. Um, because they put me in the neuro ICU um, and I had. I had neuro checks every two hours, no matter what time of day it was. It was the the nurse was coming in doing a neuro check every two hours. And on the second day that I was there, she said, you know, you're doing okay. So when you're asleep, I'm going to come in. We're going to do the, excuse me, do the neuro check. Um, and I want you to just put two fingers in the air and then go back to sleep. We don't have to do the whole thing. But if you don't put your two fingers in the air. Then I'm going to come in and we're going to do the whole thing. Uh, and it was that point where I was like, okay, well, if she trusts that I'm progressing enough to not flash lights in my eyes and make me touch my nose and her finger 10 times, then I'm probably going to be okay. I still don't know. Like, I don't, I still don't have a lot of confidence that I'm going to be okay long term. Like, I. We're going to get a little bit morbid here, Matt. I don't expect to make it to old age. 
my my mom died when she was 40. It was an aneurysm and it was in the cerebellum, which is, you know, the exact location that I had my stroke. Um, so I've never really expected to live long, but I definitely didn't expect to survive a stroke, if that makes sense. So we'll see. I'm I'm on I'm on a lot of medications to manage whatever they can manage to make it not happen again. And I'm I'm pretty healthy. All my doctors have been really happy with all the progress that I've made. I, I don't have to go back for another MRI until the spring, the summer. I don't actually know. I think May or June. Um I see my cardiologist every three months because you've got to manage the blood pressure. Um, my neurologist I see every six months and I see my primary care doctor every six months. I see a vascular specialist also every six months. It's a lot of doctors. Do they think given what your mom passed from, is there any hereditary? I mean, I know it's different, yeah, but it's, they, they don't. And they don't? I know just an incredible coincidence. Yeah. Cause that was something that my dad was asking a lot of, um, he feels responsible, which is crazy. Um, but very parental. Very. My dad is amazing. He's amazing. He he didn't take off work while I was in the hospital. Um, but he was holding meetings in my hospital room. He was driving back and forth from North Jersey every day. My dad's my dad's amazing. I talk to him every single day at ten o'clock. My phone rings. It's my dad. <laughs> um, it's not. It wasn't hereditary. They there's they actually when I was in the emergency room, they were looking for a burst aneurysm and they couldn't find it because it didn't it wasn't there. But that's what they they were treating me for that because they had no other explanation as to why my blood pressure was so high. Wow. So. I'd like to change topics. Being a woman covering sports, talking sports. Yeah. How do you feel you get received? Oh, geez. Um, well, by other women, let's start more positive. By other women, they love to see it. Um, I've had just the most amazing, heartwarming messages from other women in sports just saying, you know, you're what I want to be. Like, I look up to you. I, I didn't start following hockey until I listened to your podcast because, and I started listening to your podcast because you're a woman and I don't have to listen to a group of men just talk to each other for um, an hour about how much smarter they are than each other. Um, And then on the other side, you know, men go in in a couple different ways. (laughs) Um, there are the ones that just don't care that I'm a woman. If I've got something important to say, that's cool. If I don't, that's cool too. Um, there are some that feel um, protective over me, which is a little bit strange, um, but that they need to protect me and insulate me from the rest of the world, which... Like a big brother type? Yeah. Yeah, which I get it and I appreciate, but okay, I'm a grown-up. And then, you know, there are the other ones, which sent me death threats when I said that Dave Haxtell was going to get fired before 
the game on Tuesday and when he was not fired Sunday night, decided that I needed to die for that. Um, in my defense, he was fired before the game on Tuesday. Like I was right the whole time. You idiots. <laughs> um, it's It's more good than bad. It's definitely more good than bad. Is it getting better even? Um, or is it that same, it's about the same 75, 25, whatever the yeah. ratio is, you know? I, I, I don't. It's not getting better. It's not getting better. But I think my capacity to just not care has gotten better. I've gotten a thicker skin. Um, I don't. I, when I went on Reddit and saw that I should die about a variety of things, and and when I got the emails to my work email, like that threw me for a loop. Um, but I, if you're not, if you don't like me, I don't care. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Sometimes I don't like me either. That's fine. Um, I, but it's not getting worse, which I think is important because there are. A lot of people who deal with a lot worse stuff than I do, um, and for them, it's it's getting a little bit worse. Just with without getting Does, too political, the way the world is going. What you what you've had happen to you though? Do you think that has helped? Oh you yeah, just ask ah, screw it. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I just survived a stroke. <laughs> like if if you yeah. were what I'm dealing with, I'm not going to worry about the guy with the egg avatar. That you know, yeah. like. Usually it's like dogs, which is insane because I love dogs, but they have their dogs or their children as their avies and it's weird. Um, yeah, like I could not care less about what these people have to say. It's fine. You don't like me. <laughs> That's fine. But let's go the other direction. You said, yeah. you know, from other women... Yeah, yeah, that they look up to you and stuff like that. It's crazy. Where, where does that land with you? Because that's pretty big. It's huge. I mean, that's got to, I, that, that's, that would almost make me tear up. And it does often. Like, who, who am I? I'm just some girl from a farm town in New Jersey. Why, why are you looking up to me? I don't have my life together. <laughs> I have clothes sitting in the dryer for a week. And I'll just pick out things that I need when I need them. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I've stumbled through all of this. I'm just out here being myself. And if if that's inspiring for people, that's amazing. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself. What's, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Someone doesn't like you? There are so many other people that are going to. It's fine. But... I, the people who tell me that they started following hockey or they started following the Flyers or, um, they they're basing what this is. This was actually said to me this week, um, from one of my my site managers that they're basing their content around what I've done with Broad Street Hockey is amazing. I I never realized that. People are paying that much attention to me, of all people. That's crazy. So if I tell you career-wise, if I tell 18-year-old Steph how it turns <laughs> out to this point, is that the reaction? Oh, yeah. An 18-year-old me? I didn't follow hockey. What's hockey? Is that the sport that just didn't <laughs> exist for a season? <laughs> because people didn't watch it? Isn't that that's the one? Oh, God. 18-year-old me, I don't know... I don't know whether she'd be thrilled or disappointed. 
Um, probably a little bit of both. <laughs> probably a little bit of both. Because 18-year-old me, let's see, I was a freshman at Drexel. I'm not married. I don't have kids. That would have been an instant failure. Um, but I own a house. I've got three pets. Like, that's... I, I At 18, I wasn't career-focused. That's so weird. Because I chose a school with a career focus. Right. Yeah. No, 18-year-old Steph wouldn't understand 32-year-old Steph at all. <laughs> Teenagers are idiots. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Steph Driver, this was a lot of fun. Thanks I for stopping so by. I had so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for letting me tell my story. I don't often get to do so. Um, before we leave, if you think you're having a stroke, call 911. Tell somebody there's something wrong with you. And and the symptoms are always sudden. It's you have a sudden headache, sudden dizziness, sudden inability to speak and, and not like a hangover where you like you feel it coming. Like this is it just punched you right in the face. Call somebody. Let them know something's wrong. Don't go to sleep for eight hours. Steph, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's show. One on One is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like the show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at MattLeon1060. Thanks again to Steph Driver for joining us this week. You can follow her on Twitter at StephaliciousD, and you can also listen to her as part of the Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.